How disappointed are you that you will not be a, a 49er? Not as disappointed as the 49ers will be that they didn't draft me. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the 49ers are headed to the NFC Championship game for the second time in three years. Aaron Rodgers needed just one shot, but much like a vaccination, he didn't get it. And with me this week to do the research on the 49ers win, it's David Newman. Wow. Where do I even go from there? Uh, Do the research, David. (laughs) Do the research. You know, I do my best. I do my best. (laughs) Well, you know what? The, The results are in. We've done the research. We've scoured the internet, watched it with our own eyeballs. We have evidence, pure empirical evidence that the 49ers beat the Packers one more time. Aaron Rodgers. 0-4 against the 49ers in the playoffs. And, you know, he's got that famous quote from when he was drafted, that the Niners are going to regret drafting him. And uh, it's it's interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe he will regret not being drafted because he can't. uh, He seems to be immunized from Super Bowls. Uh, That's about (laughs) the only place that he's got some immunization. That That game was nuts, man. That game was absolutely, absolute mayhem, absolute crazy. I mean, and for a, a a thirteen ten game too, like yeah, it was just it was a weird kind of crazy. Not like I, I feel like at least me associate. You know, usually you think of like those really exciting games, and it's a lot of offense, you know, and it's back and forth, and it's who's going to have the ball last type situation. And this was about the complete opposite of it, but it still just had yeah these uh, crazy moments. I don't know if it was just the weather or uh what what was going on there but yeah it just had like a lot of tense moments and uh, a lot of kind of crazy things happening throughout i feel like this team is we talked last week about how they are good at winning messy games it seems like they are seemingly battle tested and and this i feel like now i've begun to espouse a bit of that ethos because early in the game when i mean they marched down scored easy i mean it was like oh no like the, the packers this this is the packers we were worried about and and David, you were in the back of my head saying like, maybe the Niners shouldn't have deferred. Maybe they should have Dude, gotten the ball. I was I was like, you got to be kidding. Me. I mean, they went down. It looked like it was. Uh, I mean, it was. It felt like the drive the 49ers had against the Cowboys, right? To open exactly. the game, it was just like so easy, right down the field. I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> and but but even then, I thought to myself, okay, a lot of ball game. It's only 7-0 if they can keep it close, if they can get back into it, if they can kind of go blow for blow. This could be a, a game that the 49ers are still in. Stay in the fight, you know? And 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 that's exactly what they did. And at times I thought, if the Packers score again, this game is over. And they never did. They never did. And a big part of that was special teams. I mean, we're going to talk about D'Amico Ryans because I feel like that's really the story of the game, what he did, what that defense was able to do against the Green Bay Packers. But we'd be remiss if we didn't start out with special teams. This was a special teams unit that was worse than the 49ers, the Packers special teams unit. They were one of the few teams that is, we found one. And man, Jordan Willis, he, he had a high ankle sprain. And those, those are tough. And he did not miss the game. I don't know what kind of thing he got injected into his leg that made him play like that. But man, he was the the blocked field goal at the end of the half was huge and he had a, a great play where he swiped down the offensive lineman's hand so that he couldn't go out and grab or reach ward and ward just has a free path blocks the kick that was 
a huge turning point, especially because Ward busted coverage on the play that allowed them to get that far into the red zone. Yeah, I was like, man, that's a, a hell of a way to make up for uh, that coverage bust there, right? Prevent him from getting the three points. And yeah, it was it was obviously huge because we, you know, on the other side of that, when we were talking about the hold the first situation, they they screwed up their chance to lap, right? We we had the interception there right before the end of the half. And, and suddenly, yeah, you get that big play to Aaron Jones down the sideline. It looks like Packers are going to get... Uh, another score there and and yeah it was to to prevent that from happening uh with a special teams play especially just was was wild but it was uh, huge you know they they if they especially let i mean we'll kind of get into the defense element of it there but it looked like they might get a touchdown uh for for a second there uh and then you know to, to not only hold them to a field goal attempt but then block that field goal and, and keep them from getting any sort of points was just a massive turning point for them and then he's got the block punt and and it's such it, it really is I mean, the, the, the old adage is it's a game of inches right and it's nuts but i was watching the game and my, and my wife was like how how does his hand hit that ball like that ball has so many different ways it could go and it and a hand comparatively is fairly little and it hit him right in the hand i mean he gets his hand up it, it hits it and that punt probably had more hang time than maybe like a regular punt everyone is everyone is losing their mind everyone's looking around yeah. and then hufanga just hears it hit the hit the snow and and it's a scoop and score and off you go um and and that was i mean that was all the points they needed the offense put up six points and still won the game and it was because of the defense D'Amico ryan's take a bow because that was a game plan that really really did some interesting fun stuff it helped contain Rodgers, and and the defense still had to execute. And even when there were lapses, all in all, they were still able to do the things they needed to do, which was make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. Five sacks. Five sacks against Aaron Rodgers, and it felt like he was under duress for a lot of the game. It was just a masterful performance from that defense. Yeah, I mean, and it did not start out that way, right? Like, it, it really felt like things were going to go ugly. I mean, it was it was really from the point that Warner forced that fumble, things kind of finally flipped and they settled down. But yeah, we just kind of continue to see this unit overperform expectations, you know, and, and just uh, <laughs> like they do things that don't seem to make sense when you look at the individual components, right? It's like this should should not really work out this way. But uh, yeah, they were they were incredible in this game. They did such a good job of, of limiting the big plays. Um, you know, I think part of it, came down to to not you know we'll talk about it a little bit later but i i don't think the plan was as good from green bay in this game uh you know i don't think they did you know we, we talked in the preview right how the big thing they were able to do is was kind of twofold it was get the ball out of rogers hands quickly but then still also be able to challenge downfield when they did that right and and we didn't see either of those it was kind of a complete flip you know that where rogers was having to hold on to the ball a little bit longer they didn't have those same sort of things built in uh, to be able to to kind of test them downfield. And so you saw Rodgers' average depth of target in this game compared to the Week 3 game was like cut in half. He went from over 13 yards uh, in that first matchup to I think it was like seven and some change in, in this game. So, um, yeah, just they, they didn't have the ability to, to challenge downfield. And it was the, the defensive line, right, that, again, is showing up big and, and getting that pressure on there and, and not – leaving their secondary in too many situations where where they're having to like hang on to these guys these receivers that are more talented than uh down the field you know too much and, and so i think that was just a, a big part of it like forcing him to to kind of check down and whenever they got in those situations where 
they did need to kind of push it. You know, they got into some third and longs and, and what have you. Like, the, the pressure was there. It, it just consistently got home when they needed it to. Yeah, you, you talk about the defense consistently performing above the sum of its parts. And to me, that, that speaks to coaching. I think it speaks to yeah. coaching from Chris Surik, and it speaks to coaching from D'Amico Ryans because being able to do that to this offense with the secondary pieces that you have and having the barnacle Dante Johnson come in there and be able to basically plug and play. And he had, you know, a couple of good plays, but he also had some plays where he was going to give things up. And Kaylin Williams gave a couple things up too in the, in the slot. And, and still the defense was able to put things together. It's not like there weren't available options for Aaron Rodgers. It's just that there was enough happening on those plays that it really moved him off of that spot early on. It looked like the 49ers were playing some of their regular familiar schemes, right? You've got cover three, you've got cover six. You saw the safety spinning down a lot to the strong side. And, and it looked like some regular stuff. But then you started to see some of D'Amico Ryan's game plan come through with some of the variability in, in what they were running. You look at the third and eight play in the second quarter. They're bracketing Adams, right? And, and Ebukam ends up getting the sack, but it's because... They were like, yeah, we know you're going to want to go to Adams, so let's go ahead and double him. Let's go ahead and do that. It's not something they do often. They definitely have it in their playbook. They've had it since, you know, since Sala because they did something similar against Julio Jones in the Atlanta game uh, in, in 2020. But it, you start to see some of these things that they don't usually put on film a lot, and those things seem to increase a bit more in high leverage spots as the game went on. Right. I, I think that's the kind of the key part, right, is they they did a good job picking their spots and in, in terms of when they wanted to. You're, you're never going to. And we saw it early on. Right. And I mean, really, there weren't, you know, too many situations where it was like uh, if they wanted to go to Adams, they tended to kind of find a way to get to Adams. Right. Like he he obviously was able to get his to some degree. Um, but they, they picked their spots in terms of choosing some coverages that got extra help over there, right? You mentioned uh, play where they're, they're playing man coverage and, and deciding to bracket Adams. Um, you know, they played a lot of uh, cover six where, and, and, and they actually kind of changed this up a little bit too, where on a, a few of those snaps where they're playing cover six, which they play again, right? right cover six being quarters to one side, cover two to the other side, and they play the two to Adams side. So you get basically a safety rolling over the top to, to give some help to that cornerback. But rather than typically you would see, you know, the corner in those coverages play zone kind of like you would in just a, a regular cover two, but there were snaps there where they would man him up on Adams. So you're, you're not only going to follow him around, you're going to make sure that he doesn't, uh, you know, have an, an easy time just finding soft spots in the zone and then additionally give him the safety help over the top for for the more vertical stuff. So, yeah, they were throwing those at him. Uh, they did a good job, I think, uh, it, it disguising some coverages a little bit to just kind of get uh, Rodgers to where, you know, again, we, we talked about hunting matchups, right? And, and this is something that Rodgers will do that it, it feels like. Uh, a lot of teams have not really done against the 49ers, right? They haven't kind of gone out of their way to target these weak spots on the outside. And uh, Rodgers was was certainly going to go do that, right? He was going to find uh, Adams and and he was really good. They were trying to create as many, you know, one-on-one -on -one matchups with him as, as they could. Uh, but it kind of hurt him sometimes because there were, were times where they kind of showed... Um, you know, that, that they might be giving him more of a one-on-one -on -one look. They'd rotate after the snap. And so Rodgers would go there at first and then realize that, okay, they've got two guys over there. Now they have to, you know, he has to go elsewhere. And at that point, the pressure was getting there, right? They, it was enough to where even if there were other guys 
in the route that were open, which happened. I mean, we we were watching through the game again this morning, and uh, it, it was just like there were a lot of those scenarios where it was like, oh, shit, this guy's over here, right, if he could have gotten to him. But he just couldn't. Like, the pressure was well, there. Well, even the their final offensive play, you see exactly that. Yeah. You see that this is the one where they throw deep to uh, to Adams on, on what was a post, but the Niners had it bottled up. And, and it was a really a, a unique and inventive kind of blitz where you're sending both safeties. You're only rushing five and you're dropping out and you're basically in what, what looks like an inverted coverage, but you're still getting three deep. And Hufanga now, who looks like he might be a, you know, a whole player or a Tampa player, is now getting deep. And, and Rodgers has Lazard open on a dig. And I mean wide open like it is not close but he decides that he wants to hump the matchup against Hufanga and whatever corners playing outside leverage which understandable I get (laughs) that that is not you know that's usually a plus matchup for someone like like Adams but man he was he he went for it and if he and he had time to just stop wait reset his feet and get Lazard but he went for it and because he was trying to hunt that matchup and and it got him a little bit yeah I mean that was really kind of the one situation where the pressure didn't really you know, prevent him from getting there. That was one where you could see he wanted to take this matchup with Adams, you know, and obviously a, a huge moment and huge situation in the game going to your best player. Um, but yeah, I think on that play, like it, it really looked like Warner was not in the right spot, right? There should be an extra, uh, they're getting back to eventually with all the rotation, everything that they're doing, um, getting to just essentially a fire zone setup, right? A three deep, three under type of, of zone coverage there. And they're missing their zone player in the middle of the field. He's just gone. Uh, and it looks like it, it really should have been Warner on that play. And you see Lazard break into that space. And it's just, it would have been easy money for the first down, which was, you know, the most important in, in the immediate term. But uh, he would have had some space to keep running after that, too. I mean, there because you're bringing the blitz, you're removing guys, you're matching with a lot of the other players that are on the field. Uh, there, there was going to be a lot of room there for him to run after that catch if he could find a way to get it to him. And because those safeties are bringing, you know, it's a creative setup, but that wasn't really their most effective blitz of the day right the safeties are they coming, were coming from, from so deep yeah, yeah you, that you can't really you know they're, they're not getting there so once they kind of picked up the front three players uh that were rushing off the line of scrimmage Rodgers had time like and, and so this was was not a situation where it was like he couldn't get to that open receiver he was just choosing not to and choosing to go to his best player uh which again like you said Dante Jones and and Hufunga in, in coverage there you can kind of understand why he wants to attack that but if he's a, a little bit more patient and and finds that kind of underneath route breaking uh it, it could have been bad news for the 49ers so yeah I think the, but all of these things right all of these different looks that they're showing are all to kind of, you know, try and make Rodgers uncomfortable, right? Make him, if you can just make him second guess a little bit, you know, make him uh, have to move off his spot, whatever it may be. These were all things that they're trying to do uh, throughout this game. And it was largely very effective. Uh, first of all, it's Dante Johnson. You put some respect on the Barnacle's name. What did I call okay. him? Uh, Dante Jones, I think. Oh. <laughs> You're thinking of Aaron Jones, you know, oh, it's, yeah. I get it. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, my bad. It, all I'm saying is just use the Barnacle and you'll never go wrong. You know, it's the official patented nickname of the Better Rivals podcast for Dante Johnson. Absolutely love it. Um, you're talking about some of the creative stuff that that Ryan's did. We've got a sim pressure. Not We've talked about sim pressures before that the 49ers have run at times, but don't run often. And this came on a third and 10 in the opening second half drive for the Packers. You got Nick Bosa in coverage, which, hey, you know, zig when you think they're going to zag. But hey, you, you put him in coverage. Dante Johnson ends up blitzing off the edge. You're still only rushing four. 
but it feels like a blitz look. So it's like a, trying to be a safe pressure. Um, and uh, and then you've, you've got, you know, some new things that the Niners are doing with their Kings Blitz. We've talked a lot about the Kings Blitz before, uh, but there were two plays back to back where one was a play that was uh, very similar to their Kings pressure package, but not quite exactly the same. And then the play immediately afterwards, they go to Kings like back to back. If you would have asked me whether or not the Niners should blitz Rodgers, I would have been like, no, get there with your front four, play some twists, play some stunts. But Ryan's was still like, we're going to go. We're going to actually blitz and send sim pressures, actual blitzes, and vary those packages in high leverage situations. And it just, and it worked. Yeah, they've, uh, I, I think, found a good balance, right, of, of the blitz. Because it wasn't, I don't know that they blitzed a high, necessarily a high percentage Overall of the rate, time, yeah. right? But it was, again, kind of picking spots. Um, and, and they never really send more than five very frequently, right? So it's you're, you're always at least getting... Uh, you you know those other six back into coverage there, so you're relative staying trying to stay relatively safe. You're matching a lot of the stuff back there, um. But yeah, I I think and then even when they do go four right, which they still are doing the majority of the time, I I just think they've found a really good balance between not. I it would be easy to rely on that front four right, just send them on a typical normal pass rush, two on each side, just trying to let them kind of do their thing right, but. They don't really do that. I mean, they've been stunting, I think, a lot more, and they've been really good in terms of executing those stunts and and just kind of the setup of them, I think, been really well designed. And so, yes, you are allowing with that, you know, you're getting some one-on-one matchups there. You're getting every every once in a while Bosa free uh, one-on-one matchup on the outside. You know, we saw Armstead in this game with a couple of plays where he's one-on-one with the guard. Those are obviously because of the talent you have plus situations for you. But you're also do you're 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 not staying vanilla with it, right? You're allowing to the scheme to also help create some pressure for you, so you can make the job of those players even a little bit easier. And so I think, yeah, the balance that they've found there because the pressure rate has been insane, right? It's been really high, but they've also been stunting at an above average rate. And and so I think you combine the talent they have there with what they've been able to do schematically to to help generate pressure, and it's been very very effective for them. Yeah, against the Packers, the Niners only blitz five times on 34 dropbacks. That's a 14.7, almost 15% blitz rate. Now, that's in line with what they've been doing so far since week 10. This little nugget comes from friend of the pod, George Shahuri from PFF. Since week 10, the 49ers are the only team to blitz less than 20% of the time, which held up against the Packers, while having a top five pressure rate and a top five sack rate. Like they are, they're picking their spots, right? Because the blitzes were effective. When you look at the splits for Aaron Rodgers' uh, PFF passing grade, they were not super great. And his worst one was when he was blitzed. His worst passing grade was when he was blitzed on just those five snaps. And so that's not something that you you can usually get Aaron Rodgers with. And yet, I think because of the call, because of the leverage, because of what they're able to do, they were able to do exactly what you're talking about, which is mix it up enough, let the scheme do its work even though you still have to trust that front, uh, you know, a lot of the other times. So just great, great all, all around from execution to D'Amico Ryan's to everything. It was, um, it was great, man. Is is it is the only reason they won this game. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you would have asked me, you know, if there was a chance that they could hold this offense to, to just 10 points, like I would have probably laughed in your face. You know what I mean? Like coming into this game, <laughs> like it, it just, uh, didn't seem like that was going to be on the table, even with a good performance, right? Even if you yeah. said, okay, the four ers are going to come out and play well defensively. 
10 points, man, is is not a lot for, uh, you know, a quarterback of that caliber and an offense that that has some of the players that they do. And so um, just a, an incredible performance from them and absolutely them and the special teams, right, uh, won this game like that. That was really what it came down to. And the offense really was hard to come by all game from both teams. I would have thought that if you tell me the Niners can hold them to 10 points, I'm thinking it's a blowout because I'm thinking there's probably a couple turnovers in there. There's maybe like there's maybe a like an interception or a pick six. Like I'm thinking the Niners at this point are rolling, especially with the way that the Packers have performed against the run to date. And yet both teams seem to be affected by the weather. The Niners early, the Packers late, because once they had to throw the ball, now all of a sudden you're throwing into flurries. And, you know, I, I guess it's kind of fitting that Aaron Rodgers really was affected by a bunch of snowflakes. We're just keeping them rolling all all game long or all, Man, all pod long. <laughs> we are we are dancing. We're like dancing pallbearers on the Aaron Rodgers casket right now because he deserved it. He deserved he deserves he did, every absolutely. little bit, every barb. You know that and an extra just punch to the COVID toe. Um, <laughs> but you had good Jimmy early on. Couple of wasted opportunities. I mean, you you've got George Kittle who is probably going to house call this yeah. deep ball. And he decides that he's going to go full Vernon Davis and catch with the chesticles instead of his hands. And it hits him. and It just bounces right off. And if he catches that, it's 7-7. Absolutely no one could hang on to the ball early. Like, it was just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, yeah. uh, it, it was, yeah, everybody was kind of getting in on it and just, like, couldn't hang on to the ball whatsoever. And, yeah, I think all of it, it was really unfortunate because... All of the best Jimmy plays pretty much were wasted early in this game. I mean, the the throw that he had to Kittle obviously was was going to be a big one. I mean, yeah, if, if he's not taking that to the house, he's getting pretty fucking close. And, and you're talking about a very different uh, look early in that game. And uh, even the the play, I think, what was it right after that, that, uh, that Jennings, Jennings couldn't get uh, a hang of, you know, like pressure in his face, getting it out there. putting a good it in throw stall, under very, pressure. Yeah, like... Uh, there, there were some good throws in there and, and they just couldn't hang on to it. And, and it just wasted any, some, anything that they could do early because the run game was not there. Like the, the run game early on absolutely was not doing it. Um, and, and so you combine that with, yeah, like, uh, what should have been, I mean, the passing game looked like at least as far as Jimmy was concerned and getting some guys open and, and doing that sort of thing, uh, was, was there like they just weren't capitalizing on those opportunities. And so it was, it was really ugly. And then by the time, once you kind of got through that and, and guys started being able to hold on to the ball, well, then Jimmy started playing poorly. And, uh, it, it was just like, they could never really get going offensively, you know, even even late when the run game kind of started to find some sort of rhythm. It wasn't all that good. Like it, it was enough, you know, I guess. But yeah, yeah they, they didn't do really much of anything to put points on the board in this game. You see more. You know, I saw a few power runs, both with Debo and with Mitchell. They were definitely trying to get to the edges early. And, and they, you know, they started out with their toss outside zone and, and they were trying, I think, to get to the edges. And, and it seemed like the Packers are ready for it. It seemed like the Packers are like, you're not going to run the ball, which is, I think, why some of those opportunities in the middle of the field were open because those glance routes and those those quick inbreakers seemed to be there almost all game. I mean, George Kittle had a couple. Ayuk had that one early that he ends up dropping, you know, and, and could have. I felt like it was very I thought they were going to actually keep the call on the field. Because yeah. it was going to be close. Yep. But he's he's lucky that he didn't get that third foot down because that was that was whew, razor thin margin. But if if the Niners would have gotten in a negative, more of a negative game script, 
now you start to see some of these issues magnified because Tom Compton had a rough game. Rashawn Gary was having his way and it was one move. It was one move where he basically goes to the outside, uses his inside hand to basically push Compton's inside shoulder and just walk him right back into Jimmy Garoppolo over and over and over again. It was the same damn move and Compton didn't have an answer. He he allowed uh, Rashawn Gary to look like he was back at Michigan again, where it was just like he was just clearly like a, a more dominant athlete and uh, was just so much better physically than the guys he was across that he could go in and and do things like that right and it was like fuck, i don't know i mean it's not like i've watched every game of of gary's nfl career but that certainly felt like one of the better games that he's had since he's come into the league and and uh yeah compton was certainly receiving the brunt of that and and just not a, a great performance from him especially in in pass protection but yeah even you know in in the run game in in some key spots like gary was getting in the backfield there and and making some stops or just kind of like disrupting things so uh yeah he was a problem for them and just overall i mean i think we kind of uh i guess got a little too confident in in the 49ers ability up front with the offensive line to kind of hold their own uh, against this this packers front because of the performance that we saw last week against dallas you know what i mean like Dallas, yeah. uh, a very talented front four as well. And uh, they were largely able to just kind of, you know, keep them at arm's length and, and not allow them to do much. Uh, and that was not the case in this game. I mean, they, it just felt like uh, they were constantly getting bodied up front and and just uh, didn't have a whole lot of answers. And I think Compton, yeah, was certainly top of mind in terms of, of players that were uh, having a rough evening. Yeah, he had four total pressures allowed and had the worst PFF blocking grade uh, in the past game in in the game. I mean, and, and that was pretty clear, pretty, pretty <laughs> clear. Um, so you think we think about what we said the Niners had to do in order to win this game and the Niners won the game. And I don't know that they did much of anything that we said that they needed to do to win the game. <laughs> like we said, OK, so what did we say? We said they had to run the ball effectively. They didn't really do this until nope. late in the game. Uh, they did it, you know, on a, in a couple of key spots, but there there weren't anything. There was there was just not a lot of space there. Debo got that big first down late, and and they were really relying on a, like power split zone outside zone. You know, nothing super duper crazy. Um, but but yeah, they they it, they didn't have a lot of space. They they did avoid a negative game script, which I think was the saving grace here. They didn't have an answer for empty, but they also didn't need one. Yeah, I, I think uh, the empty stuff was interesting, right? So kind of alluded to that it, at the top there in terms of Green Bay's plan. And it was just uh, a little surprising because uh, they were so effective running empty in that first game. I mean, they, it was their most dominant formation type in that first matchup, and they were just shredding the 49ers when they went there. Rodgers was absurd when they went empty. Um, and, and so for them to come out and not do it, I mean, they only ran in this game five snaps of empty and they didn't try it until basically the very end of the first half was the first time that they went to empty. And that was on the play, uh, that Bosa gets the sack where he knocks it out, knocks the ball out with his helmet. Right. And after that, they didn't go back to it again until the fourth quarter. And, and, um, the other part of it too. So the the thing that we saw right in that game again with Rodgers getting the ball out quickly but still challenging downfield that was because of a lot of what they were doing in empty and and being able to throw some more vertical routes but do it with quicker timing in this game for their five plays that they ran on uh, empty were down in the red zone and so you kind of eliminate that option right because you just run out of of space there's not as much vertical space down there 
And so you you don't have that option. So it kind of lends itself to having to run more longer developing pass concepts. And that was enough to get you know, the, uh, the, the password to give them some extra time to get home. And, and so didn't do it a lot. They did it in some, you know, uh, kind of more puzzling situations compared to what they did it in the first matchup. And, uh, it was just, it didn't do anything for them. I think they got one first down on those snaps. So it, it was just a, a really big turn in game plan. And like, look, I understand not wanting to just like run back the same thing, but at the same time, like it was so effective. You got to come out and kind of give it a shot. Right. I mean, Rashawn Gary has it right. Keep doing it till they stop it. Uh, and if Tom Compton's not going to stop it, I'm going to keep doing the same move. And if they couldn't stop empty, especially when you're putting empty and, and you're putting someone on K1 Williams, because K1 Williams does a lot of things really, really well. He's a great zone corner. But if you get him isolated in space, especially in a bigger wide receiver, we saw it in this game. He doesn't always hold up super well um, on vertical routes or, or anywhere that he's really got to play like what effectively amounts to true man-to-man. And, and they just didn't, do that they didn't go that way it was almost like they got a, a little too clever in trying to change it up and and so they, they couldn't really attack in the same way that that they did in the first game we we said the Niners had to get to Rodgers with stunts they they got to Rodgers they did it with stunts they did it without stunts they got it with blitz <laughs> without blitz it didn't yeah. matter that they that they actually did do and then we said you know you'd never go full Norman and they tried for a snap <laughs> but but even that didn't work for the Packers and so you know, they it just they won messy, but they keep winning these games. They keep pulling them out. They they have whatever it is that teams don't want to face at this point in the playoffs, which is just that will to put it together and win. However, you're going to do it, whether it's ugly, not ugly, whether your quarterback's throwing picks or not, it's just we're going to beat you with our line in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes it's the offensive line. A lot of times it's the defensive line. And, and here you are in the NFC Championship game again for the second time in three years. I mean, it, you you never expect, obviously, to get uh, the the big plays they've got that, that they got in special teams. Um, you know, in this game, right? That's never going to be something that you're you're banking on going into it. And so, I mean, that was that was really it, though. Like th- those plays uh, were what tilted the game, right? And what allowed yeah. them to win ugly in this. And it was unexpected, but yeah, I think like you've you've mentioned, right? They they just uh, do tend to have. Uh, a way about them to to win these ugly games you know this is i don't whatever it is and, and in each game it seems like it's a little something different right but when when things are pretty messy and, and you're dealing with stuff on both sides right where uh it, it's just kind of getting a little ugly and and teams aren't executing necessarily at a super high level on offense and uh whatever it may be like yeah they they just kind of uh, have been able to find a way to win those games and now you're in a situation where man it, you're not that scared i think it, it going into this nfc championship game right not not to say that like they they should be a favorite or or that they're gonna kind of go steamroll through either one of those teams like that's not it at all but it's just like look with the the way they've been able to win games so far and uh in, in this playoff run it just is like man uh you, you got to feel pretty good going into this this championship game the 49ers are the team that no one wants to face right now like because they they are they're finding ways to win and they're and they can physically impose their will and it seemed like especially late that's what the 49ers did and and I mean they they I think they held Rodgers some like 55 yards passing in the second half um which again snowflakes are going to do that to Aaron Rodgers he's very very averse to them but that 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 still is uh, in large part the defense doing what it needs to do for an offense that is absolutely humming I mean it's just it's it was incredible it was it was so yeah. much fun 
Yep. It was so much fun. All right. Let's get to the quick hits. Uh, talking about pressure, you've got Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and Charles Omenehu, who were the leaders in overall pressures in this game. Nick Bosa with five pressures, Armstead with four, Omenehu with two. Um, you expect that from Nick Bosa. But Eric Armstead and what he's been able to do this season, especially the last four or five weeks as a pass rusher, has been pretty remarkable. Like he is absolutely generating value on that contract um, and is making that decision based on how he's playing look like much, much better for the 49ers to have given him that money because he is playing really, really well as a pass rusher from the interior. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're getting contributions from everyone, right? Like that's kind of been the nice thing is like, yeah, Bosa and Armstead are, are I think, right, the big names, obviously, that need to to carry a lot of the load, but uh, everyone's getting in on the act, and um, it, it's it's really difficult to to kind of you know do much on them defensively um, if if those guys are playing that one. Yeah, Charles Omeni, who only rushed the passer seven times, had two pressures. Like that's and he had that holding penalty, which was definitely you know not great. But seven rushes, two pressures. It's not bad. Not bad for Samson Ebukam. Uh, hashtag hook him. There were seventy nine thousand one hundred and thirty two fans at Lambeau Stadium, the second largest crowd ever at Lambeau, and it was the fifth coldest playoff start in Packers history. Imagine getting snowed on and enduring that cold weather, only to lose that game. Like, like I would be, I would be furious. Less so about the win, and more that I endured that cold weather just to lose. <laughs> uh, yeah, not, not great. It would not be a whole lot of fun sitting. I mean, you see some of these guys. I don't know what they're thinking, man. Like, not wearing any goddamn sleeves, and and it's like, I don't know who you're fooling. You're not tough. You just make me think you're an idiot. Like, put some fucking clothes on, man. What are you doing out yeah, there? That's where I disagree. Psychological edge. Your arms. You don't need your arms. You need your arms for four nine receivers certainly didn't need him early in the game. <laughs> well, that, they were trying to protect him. They were keeping him close, you know, close to the chest. Got to keep him close to that warmth. Can't extend your hands. What is that? Uh, man, Trent Williams in motion is something that's funny. I don't yeah. know if he's going to be in motion for much longer because of his ankle. But man, that play was he he was just reckless of indiscriminate violence is what that play should be called. Which, by the way, okay, so there there was obviously the one where, yeah, Trent Williams, I forget which defender it was, but just, like, destroys some poor soul uh, when he comes in that motion. But on the fourth down play, where they went to it again and they get stuffed, man, gotta, gotta wonder about uh, uh, Mitchell's path on that play. Like, it, it really looks like it should have been going outside. I don't know if there was any Do you mention. Think, no, th- no, it was. So I thought when I saw his path that he was trying to... That, that that the Niners were basically trying to feint the Packers, that they were setting it up to make it look exactly like that last play, but they were going to try to hit it up inside. Um, it, it didn't look like, you know, like all the other blocking seemed to be set up for it to go outside. So I'm not sure if Mitchell takes the wrong path or what, but I thought maybe they were trying to feint a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that was kind of my thought watching it the first time through. And then when they showed, they came back, I don't remember if it was like after commercial or whatever, they showed the kind of sky cam view of it yeah. um, up there. And yeah, you just see the leverage of all the blocks and it, it really looks like they're trying to hit power to the edge. I mean, you get 
Uh, you know, they have the the tight ends that are over on the right hand side that everybody's blocking down. It was the down block, right? Because why are you going to down block if you're trying to run it inside? Exactly. Yeah. And and so everybody on that right side is kind of trying to crash things down inside. You get uh, obviously Williams coming in motion. They had another player that's that's going out there leading wide. And then the other thing, too, that you really see from that sky cam view is I think the Packers were they, they didn't really get aligned properly. They've got a lot of bodies in the the middle of the, the field there, kind of in between the tackle and and they were light on that right edge like they the only defenders that they really had wide outside there were well off the ball and were secondary players like uh that they were missing some guys in in some gaps on that wide side and so i think if he's able to take it out there uh you know trent is probably destroying one of those poor secondary players and, and you're looking at probably a pretty big play off of that and so it, it was uh, it was tough to see because, yeah, I mean, that was another play where Gary gets in there and it was the down block. I mean, he's able he does a good job of squeezing in there and it's still not a great down block, but you're you're basically taking him right to where, uh, you know, Mitchell's path is going with how how much he was going inside there. So if he he keeps it wider and looks to get outside of that. Even if Gary gets some penetration on it, he's probably not able to get there in time to like make a stop in the backfield, and and you're probably yeah. still looking at, uh, you know, getting a nice chunk of yardage there on the the wide side. Part of the 49ers' advantage in any game is going to be their coaching and their coaching staff. We've talked a bit about about D'Amico Ryan's, but there was one play specifically that I that I thought was indicative of how well the 49ers are coached, and it was uh, something that Aziz Al Shire did on the first down that the Packers had after the 49ers blocked the punt. It's an RPO. And Aziz, he, Aziz does not respect the run at all. He vacates his run fit entirely and runs right out to Devontae Adams. And that's what causes Aaron Rodgers to double clutch the ball. And then he's got to run around a little bit. But now you have men downfield and they get called on a penalty. And that helps stymie that drive, a drive they needed to stop in order to basically come back and, and win the game. And, and I mean, he just, he literally flat out abandons it. You, you have to think that he was coached to do that or he recognized that in some way, shape, or form because if they would have run the ball, it's probably not good for the Niners. But instead, you know, he, he knew it was like, oh no, this could be an RPO. And he got right into that throwing lane and caused Rogers to double clutch. Yeah, I mean, it certainly felt like he he had a good idea of what was coming, and they were fortunate too that that was a, an RPO where you know essentially Rodgers really needs to make that decision pre-snap because of where you know uh, Jones was at on this. It's not like he's you know in the mesh and he's got the ball in Jones's belly and he's really make can make that decision last moment. Like Jones on the opposite side that he's looking, so he's got to kind of make that decision early. I think he sees you know it's just Adams. It's going to run a quick little stopper out there. And uh, you had Mosley on that side who was given a really big cushion. And so I think he just sees that cushion is like, okay, I'm going to take my, my six, seven free yards here and, and kind of go about it. And Shire, yeah, jumps out there and, and, uh, and gets right in that throwing lane and uh, forces him to hang on to the ball. And he, instead of just like throwing it away and giving up on it at that point, because Adams is the only receiver in the route. So there's nowhere else to go with it at that point. Um, and, and so, yeah, he runs around, they get the penalty on there, which was, was nice, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, it was interesting that they, they certainly felt like they kind of expected it out of that look and that he was willing to just play pass first and, and get out there. Uh, one of the other Richard Hightower, I think gets, has gotten a lot of flack for coaching of the special team so far, but you know what? At least he gets 11 men out for game winning field goals. The Packers on the other hand, not so much on the game winning field goal. I'm pretty sure they had 10 men on the field. They didn't have 11 to block wow. the kick, which is remarkable. So 
coaching, still a cheat code for the 49ers. Uh, when Jimmy Garoppolo throws for zero touchdowns, he is nine and two. And three of those nine wins were in the playoffs. Incredible. Supporting cast. If you know that what? doesn't tell you everything you need to know about quarterback wins and what a trash fucking stat that it is and why you should never pay attention to it. Like, I don't fucking know what does. Oh, goodness. Uh, so the we, we've talked a lot about Shanahan's fourth down decision making. And especially when the Niners were in deep into the, the Packers territory and it becomes fourth down. I'm thinking, when are you going to get back here? You've got to score points. You got to score a touchdown, I thought to myself. And and they decided to kick a field goal. And there's different models to tell you whether or not you should go or not go. And kind of everything has its own special tweak. But Ben Baldwin has a model that he uses. And in his model, that fourth and four at the opponent at the Packers 11-yard line was actually a good decision to kick the field goal. It gave them two extra win percentage points, basically made it more likely for them to win ever so slightly. And so, you know, it's not always that the analytics say go for it in every single instance. In this case, what what Shanahan did aligned with at least one model uh, of what the Niners, uh, of what they should do to help increase their chance to win. It was a pretty big field goal, all things considered, because, you know, they, they don't tie the game up with that block punt without it. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think it comes down to, right, like, you know, you're getting late in the game. You know, you have uh, a, a more finite number of possessions that are going to be left there. So you do start to think a little bit more about maximizing win probability as opposed to just trying to get as many points as possible. And I think the fact that it's a fourth and four, right, too, is also the the dicey part there. Because, again, we, we mentioned this, I think it was just on the, the preview pod, right? But it was fourth and one, fourth and two, those should be like automatic go for it situations as the the kind of normal expected decision that you want to make there. And then, yeah, depending on the the very specific game situation, what's going on, maybe you need to to go away from that, um, you know, in, in certain spots, but not where you want to go. Fourth and four, though, is is kind of a different animal, right? That's certainly not nearly as much of a, a situation where you're really expecting to convert uh, you know, o- almost every time. And, and so, yeah, I, I think like the, the decision there to get the points and, and take that field goal makes a lot of sense. And then lastly, this, uh, this, I know it's going to sound like a, like a side swipe at Jimmy, which I mean, it is, he's catching strays, but this I think is, is more so about the 49ers defense. The 49ers have won three straight elimination road games by a combined total of 12 points in those games. Their quarterback has thrown that's Jimmy Garoppolo. In case you weren't paying attention, uh, one touchdown, and four interceptions. And that's and that doesn't even include some of the kind of hospital late balls to the outside that could have been picked off and pick six for Eric, you know, by Eric Stokes um to, to the sideline. Those sideline balls were whew, my guy were, was desperately trying to throw a game ending pick six. Like yeah. it, it was almost like he just needed to get it out of his system. It was there and and he gave him every opportunity. Uh yeah, I mean it, you could see Aikman on the broadcast was just like it oh, felt yeah. like he was getting just physically upset by the like he, like I don't know what he's doing over there throwing these check downs <laughs> over to the flat. Like he's just too late and he's like about to to lose it in the booth there um yeah i mean look they they were not good i I mean the stokes one incredibly fortunate that he is not looking for the ball like don't know man that is going for the player that yeah that is but that is your as a corner like that's your moment you're waiting for those late throws to the flat so you can take that to the house like i don't know why you're 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 not paying attention to where the ball's going there but hey we'll we'll take it yeah i think we'll take it uh i mean look the combined 12 points there's a lot of ways to look at that. And uh, I think right now, you know, we're, we're 
in playoff mode, it really doesn't matter long, big picture what's going on. They're finding a way to win these ugly games. Uh, and, and, you know, that's obviously something we, we talked about a lot during this pod, but yeah, it's, you know, those games could go either way. Right. And, and I think they've been very fortunate that they've been able to get the quarterback play that they've received in those games and come away with wins. Like they're, they're having to get it from a lot of other places. Yeah, and I mean, I I, th- I do think the coaching is still the advantage. When when you think in this late in the season, this late in games, the the coaches that the 49ers have, D'Amico Ryan's, Chris Kosurik, Kyle Shanahan, you know, the run game and, and Mike McDaniel. I mean, they that is an edge for the 49ers. And when they are getting more than the sum of their parts because their quarterback's not playing well, or because their secondary, you know, is is having to hang on with Josh Norman and the barnacle. Like that's that's coaching, that's game planning, that's execution, and that's what I think is ultimately uh, you know a feather in the cap for the 49ers and why they're in the NFC motherfucking championship game. Hell cannot, yeah! Cannot believe it. <laughs> cannot believe it. <laughs> Woohoo! Let's do it. All right, I think that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. We're alive for one more week. We got Patreon videos coming your way. You can follow me on Twitter for all the stupid jokes. Maybe some more vaccination jokes. We'll see what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Just glad he got punched in the COVID toe is all I'm saying. Uh, and, uh, and David, tell them about the Patreon so they can catch some of the videos uh, about what we're doing. Look, you got to get in. Ride the wave right now. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Uh, one more week, at least. We're going to still be doing it. Still getting those videos out. Uh, still with the, the pods and the live streams, all the fun stuff. So head there. Buy us a beer. Get in on this. It's fun. Championship Sunday. The 49ers are in it. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always... Go Niners.